So the question this morning is, do I have eternal life? And as we've been looking at this passage, as I mentioned, we've asked the question, what is a Christian and how do you know that you're a Christian? And uh, we're doing this because there is real confusion amongst some, even those who call themselves Christians, about what it means to actually know and follow the Lord Jesus. And uh, they may well be religious and moral, may have some great experience, but they don't have that personal saving relationship with Jesus himself. And so we started a couple of weeks ago by asking the question, am I really a Christian? And we saw that a real Christian is one who's been born again. The Bible says that being a believer is about what God has done, not what I do. So he breaks in, he changes me, he makes me new, he gives me to know life in the Lord Jesus. He enables me to turn, to repent from my sin, and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, his work on the cross, so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be right with God and reconciled to God, and that relationship that was broken, mended. And also we saw that a real Christian shows the fruit of being born again. So by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they show that they trust him, that they believe in who he is as the scriptures reveal. They show that they have a love for God and they show that they have a love for other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, our spiritual family. And then last time we considered, do I believe in Jesus? And we saw in our text how John had been showing again the truth about who Jesus is and what he had come to do the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. And we said that being a true Christian is to believe in Jesus as revealed in God's Word, the Bible, because he is the focus of all blessing, of all hope, of all salvation. So if we are wrong concerning the Savior, if we go wrong at that point, we've got no hope. And so if everything depends on Jesus, if everything depends on believing in him, the basis of being saved and enduring in this world and having a hope of heaven, our eternal destiny, then I need to be sure about the one that I am trusting. And so being a real Christian is to know Jesus Christ personally and to have that real relationship with him, not just knowing facts about him, but knowing him. And so we ask the question, do you know him? Do you believe in him? You know, it's no understatement to say that the whole of the Christian message, the Christian position, relies and rests entirely on the Lord Jesus. Not just some vague belief in God, some vague idea, some looking to a higher power or anything like that. Lots of other religions have that. Lots of other thoughts have that. But no, this is about Jesus Christ. What makes someone a true Christian is that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he is the only one who can save sinners. They believe that it's only through him that they can be right with God and know God for themselves. And the New Testament offers us nothing apart from Jesus Christ and all that is in him. In fact, the whole of the scriptures, the Old Testament saints, they look to him. Everything centers on Christ. So we have to be certain of what the Bible says. And we saw last time that this Jesus is confirmed by those three witnesses. The spirit, the water, the baptism of Jesus, and the blood, the cross of Jesus. 
And these are so powerful, and they stand firm in the face of all scrutiny. And as John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is bringing it all to this great conclusion. And after he's underlined the great truths concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, he now gives us the reasons why we should believe them and the consequences of how we respond to those truths. You see, the reality of Jesus Christ demands a response from each and every one of us. And this morning, as we've said so many times, we say it again, you are either for him or against him. And you can be very politely against him, but you're still against him. There is no middle ground. And John has said that Christ Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the anointed one. He is the one long expected Jesus of Nazareth, son of God, son of man, the only savior. The question is, well, why believe it? Why believe that, that Jesus is the son of God? Why believe that he is the savior? Why should we trust Jesus for ourselves? On what grounds? Well, John explains to us evidence. And the first thing he says in our text this morning is he points us to this unchanging external evidence, evidence that is outside of us. Consider the nature of the evidence that is right before us. You know, think for a moment. You know, think on the world that's around you. Just think on the things that have happened this week. And what do you see? You know, so much has been happening. There's so much trouble. But one thing that is surely true is this. The world is always changing. Things are always changing and shifting. And due to this world constantly changing, it brings uncertainty, it brings unrest, it brings conflict. That's true in our lives as individuals. You know, life can be going along in one direction and then all of a sudden something happens. You know, maybe it's a, a loss of a job. Maybe it's a breakdown of a relationship. Maybe it's, it's money troubles or some illness comes into our lives. And it's true in that global sense there is change and trouble constantly emerging, so much uncertainty, and it's true also in our own lives. And in the midst of all that, friend, do we not long for something certain? something to ground ourselves upon. Do we not need that in our lives? And that's what we have here. We have this truth, unchanged, unchanging. We have this sure foundation. And John says, come and see this evidence concerning Jesus. Come and see this, this evidence which is objective, which, which stands sure. It is true regardless of how you may feel about it. This evidence stands. It has been revealed. It has been declared. He says in verse 9, he says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. Now the witness we have considered last time, the Spirit shown in the life of Jesus and the life of the church, the water, the baptism of Jesus, the blood, the death of Jesus on the cross. And in testimony, in full agreement, they are the declaration of God himself. There is no certain uncertainty. You know, if two or three reliable people come to us with evidence of something that's happened, you know, we, we would accept that. You know, we would take what they were saying. And so John says, look, if you're inclined to accept the witness of men like that, 
If you listen to that type of testimony like that, here is a far greater witness because this is God himself. God himself declaring. You know, it was God who was testifying at the baptism that Jesus is the Christ when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. It's God who provided the evidence at Calvary as Jesus shed his blood to deal with the sin of all who would ever trust in him. You think of the darkness. You think of the veil in the temple torn. You think of the earthquakes. You think of the the raising of the dead. You think of the belief of the thief on the cross. You think of the Roman centurion who said, truly this was the Son of God. It is God who is doing this. And he further did it by raising Christ from the dead. And it's through the resurrection that he has declared Christ to be the Son of God, his Son. And then the evidence of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of God because he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. And so why should you believe on Jesus Christ? Well, apart from anything else, if there was no other answer, it is because God himself says that this is his Son. This is Messiah, this is the Savior. Not the testimony of any person, but the testimony of God. The revelation of God. That's what we are faced with this morning. You know, these aren't just some ideas to be, you know, casually thrown around. You know, something to have some opinions about or some philosophy to pull apart and discuss or debate. You know, these things are, are not things that man has made up. Not some far-off story or or fairy tale. What John says, we also proclaim as a church, this is the revelation from God. This is God declaring this, and we believe it because it is the witness and testimony of God himself. And if you look at verse 10, John puts it in a negative way too. He says, positively, this is the declaration of God, Jesus, the Savior. But then John puts it in a negative way. Second part of verse 10. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And so he puts it in a slightly different way. And again, you just think for a moment on that. You think of the terrifying consequences of what John is saying there. You know, don't just glance over those words and miss the seriousness and the depth of them Rejection of Christ, rejection of the gospel, rejection of faith in Christ is the only way to have eternal life is to say that God is a liar. Now let me ask, is there anyone here this morning who is unsure of these things? Anyone who has doubts or difficulties? Anyone maybe this morning who's come and they're skeptical who says, well, You know, I'm not convinced. I'm just not satisfied. I appreciate the struggle. But what it comes down to is this. This is God declaring. This is God delivering the truth. And whatever coating those difficulties you have may come in, the real root may be brought down to this whole matter of, do I believe God or not? Do I accept what God is saying or not? And then the question is, will you refuse God? And that's no small thing because it has consequences for eternity. 
The significance of walking away this morning and not believing in Jesus is that you are saying again, however politely, however you know, nice the language you may use, if you walk away this morning not believing in Jesus, you are saying that the testimony of God himself is false, that God is a liar. Again, it's not just playing with ideas. It is dealing with heaven's revelation. It is dealing with the truth unchanged, unchanging. It is different level. The almighty, eternal God is telling us this, and it's not a question of pitting our minds against human teaching, but the word of God. And so to reject what God says about his son, Jesus Christ, in his word, is to strikingly and defiantly say that God is a liar to be guilty of the greatest blasphemy possible, to shake your fist at Almighty God. You see, there is this great objective external evidence which is outside of us, which stands to scrutiny. But then John talks about another type of evidence. He talks about evidence that is subjective, that is internal, inside. So there's another line of evidence in addition to what is outside of us. That is the evidence that is within, subjective. Now look at the first part of verse 10 and you'll see this. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. So you've got two parts. You've got this external evidence and then you've got the internal. They're so important. And as we move to the idea of this evidence inside, we come to the, the, one of the most vital parts of what it is to be a true Christian, to be a genuine follower of Jesus. And friend, whenever there has been a genuine move of God, when God has, has worked mightily in times past, at the times now, very clear on this, we need to be too, because this is what the Bible teaches about this internal witness, this internal evidence. And the believer is faced with these two great sources of assurance and certainty. One which is external, which is outside of us. Okay, if you would like the term for that is the spiritus externus. That which is outside of us. And then one which is inside of us, the spiritus eternus. Now, how do we understand this? How do we approach it? Well, let me try and explain it by asking you a question. How can I know that the Bible, this book which is right in front of us, how can I know that this book that I'm holding is the Word of God? How do I know that with certainty? Well, you've got the external evidence. You can argue the way it's been preserved. The clear unity of the whole Bible. Central message from beginning in Genesis all the way through to the end. Spanning over those thousands of years. Then you could pull in all the historical evidence. And there's so many other external arguments. This is the testimony which is outside. Stands to scrutiny. But you know you can be convinced about the Bible as a historical book. But it needs more to believe it as the word of God. That needs the internal work of the Spirit of God, which gives understanding and belief and conviction and confidence that this book is the Word of God. The internal evidence, internal belief. A famous preacher spoke of his own experience and he said this, there was a time when I read the Bible and I thought it was a wonderful book. He said, I felt it was a, a unique book, and so much so I wouldn't compare it with any other book. It stood apart. 
But when the time came when I was confronted with the great evidence given to me in the Gospels and the Old and New Testaments, then I was given a conviction that this was more than just a great book. It was the Word of God. This was God's revelation. And some of you have a testimony like that. At one time, the Bible was just another book. It was close to you in many ways. But then... God began to work in your life and it opened it to you and you believed it. And you had a confidence that, that it was more than just a book, a historical book. It was the Word of God. Because God was working in your life, the Spirit of God. You know, think of 1 Corinthians 2. Paul speaks of the princes of this world, the, the great and the seemingly wise in the world. They looked on Jesus and they didn't recognize who he was or what he had come to do. They didn't see that he was Messiah. They didn't see that he was the Savior. Why? Because they lacked the Spirit of God who enables us to understand and know spiritual things, the great things of the gospel, the things of God. But he who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. The true believer has that internal conviction that Jesus is the Christ and they are by his grace a child of God. So I ask you this morning, do you have this life? Do you believe the testimony of God? This external evidence which is there and also do you have that internal conviction to be able to say, I know these things are true. I know whom I believe. Do you have that awareness that whatever may come, that the, the Lord is with you because you know him and you have that relationship with him? Do you believe that he'll give you the strength that you need when you need it? When difficulties come, do you know that, that you're not facing them alone, but you've got one who will stand with you? And what about death? What is your hope in the face of death? You see, these things, they're, they're granted to us and we have that conviction that they're true and we know that the word is true and the promises and facing these things with the objective truth of the Bible tells us what God promises and what he says and the Spirit of God applies them to us so that they're real to us, so that we know them to be true for us because we've been given to believe. Do you know there is a world of difference between seeing the arguments for the Bible and having a deep conviction that these things are true. There are those who have been around these things, maybe, you know, even say that the Bible is the book of God in his word and appear to be living as a Christian, and yet when it came to the end, they knew nothing of the certainty and confidence and the reality of these things. If we truly believe the objective truth by God's grace, then we will have that witness within that order, by the way, is so important. We believe the witness of God. We believe that truth. That must come first. And that itself is something that we are enabled to do by grace. We believe what God says in his word, the Bible, concerning the truth of the gospel. And then as the spirit of God continues to work, we are given to receive it, to believe it, to have confidence in it. We experience the power of that truth applied to us. We know it for ourselves. True spiritual experience is always grounded in the truth. And so I'm given to believe the word. I stand upon the sure foundation of the word. I embrace it. And the spirit of God works these things deep into me. Think of that psalm, Psalm 34, which says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
We have to taste, to believe, to digest, and then we will see, we will know the sweetness. Have you tasted and seen? John says in, uh, Jesus says in John 7, 17, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. So unless there's a true desire to obey the will of God as expressed in his word, that true knowledge, that true knowing will not be found. That knowledge concerning the Lord Jesus, who he is, what he has done. A knowledge of ourselves, the fact that we're, we're sinners and we need to be saved and forgiven, that we need new life. Those things are made real to us by the power of the Holy Spirit and this then changes us and results in love for the Lord, love for the brethren and lives of obedience to him. The word of God is always the fuel for the fire of spiritual enthusiasm. And that challenge is there throughout the scriptures. You know, you see it in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 4, 29. You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 119. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Proverbs 1. Those who heed wisdom's call, who are willing to do God's will, will receive further knowledge. So we believe, we accept the testimony, and God works. Do you know, one of the older writers says, to make sense and feeling the judge of our spiritual condition, what is it but to make ourselves happy and miserable, righteous and unrighteous, saved and damned in one day, in one hour, in one moment? So in other words, if we just go by our feelings, we'll be thrown around in all manner of directions. He says, what is this but to throw the soul to and fro and to expose it to a maze of fears and scruples? What is it to cast a reproach on Christ and play into the hands of Satan to keep yourselves on the rack? While doubting souls, he says, the counsel that I give to you is this. Be much in believing and make the scripture the judge of your condition. Maintain the judgment of the word against the judgment of sense and feeling. If you resolve to make sense and feeling the judge of your condition, then you will resolve to live in fears and lie down in tears. In other words, take God at his word. Trust in the external testimony, the objective truth, and then God will work in you that internal witness, that convincing and strengthening. You know, maybe you've had conversations with people and they've said, well, you know, I will only believe God if I have proof. I need proof. But that's an insult to him. Because God says, I ask you to believe because I am speaking. And so we are to take God at his word and to not believe him is to dishonor him. To try to insist that you must feel some proof is to detract from his glory. So first I must believe because God is the witness and then he will grant to me that internal witness. And there's also another very practical part of this. Notice what John says. In verse 10, he says, He who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. He that believes in. John is not saying that we just become satisfied with the evidence that after some deliberating or chatting it over that we're satisfied that the claim is good enough for us to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. There's something so much more. He says that believing is believing in the Son of God. Now, what does that, that mean? 
What is the depth of what John is saying? It is speaking of a person who has abandoned themselves to Jesus Christ. A person who has surrendered their life to him, who has given everything to Christ. It's the person who says, I look on Christ, I look on Jesus, and I see my Savior. I look on him and I, I know that he is the Son of God and sent by God. I know that, that in my own condition I'm under the wrath of God. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm guilty and yet there he is. There is Jesus. He can deliver me. And so I'm going to cast myself upon him. And I'm going to run to him. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to come with nothing in my hands. But I'm going to throw myself on, on his grace and his mercy. You know, some may know about Jesus. Some may assent to the gospel. But as one says, you can only believe in the Son of God on your knees. You know, you may not fully realize the implications of the statement, but you hand over your whole life into the strong arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. You come with nothing, you turn from your sin, and you cast yourself on him, on his love, on his grace and his mercy, and you believe that the one who goes to Jesus... He will not turn away. Trusting the promise that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And as you do, you'll have that internal witness. You'll know who he is. You'll be sure of who he is. Jesus, not only the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, your Lord, your Savior, your hope. I wonder, do you know that this morning? I wonder, do you have that confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe this witness of God? And that's where we finish this morning by asking you, do I have eternal life? Do you have eternal life? Do I have eternal life? Why should we believe? Because there is this great evidence that is outside of us, God declares. And then as we're given to believe, the Spirit applies that truth to us. And there are these eternal consequences. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Jesus is the defining element in all that. And we're here this morning and ultimately our eternal future depends on these things. We either have life in Christ or we are dead in our sin. And to leave this world spiritually dead means to go out to the wrath of God. It means to go out into an eternity of darkness and death and despair and everlasting destruction. And it breaks my heart that there are those who may well do that this morning. Who will leave this place still in their sin, still rejecting Jesus, still not believing the truth of God. But Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you have that life? Do you know Jesus Christ? Can you truly say that this great and glorious God is my God? Do you know that he's your father? Do you know that you've been made right with him through the person and work of Jesus Christ? Have you been forgiven? Have you received this life by God's grace? Are you able to say, I'm a new man or I'm a new woman. I'm not what I was and yet not I. But God is dwelling in me and by his grace I've been saved. 
Why is it so important that I should be clear about Jesus Christ? Why is it that I should be certain that he's the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah? Because God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son alone. And so if you've not got the Son, if you don't trust Jesus, you don't have that life. God pronounces that this Jesus is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. He has put all into him. And so this life is entirely, exclusively, solely in the son of God. So if I'm not clear about him, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the savior, that he is the Christ and that I need him, I don't have life. Eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. And it's to know that God has worked in your life, given you great grace, and given you what you need to turn from your sin and believe in his Son. And this gift, secured at the greatest cost at Calvary, is given freely to sinners like you and me. And if you've received that gift of life, you can face death and judgment knowing that you are a child of God by his hand. And that in Jesus Christ, you have received eternal life, the life of God himself in you. That's a staggering thing this morning. Do you have that life, dear friend? Do you have eternal life? It is only found in Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Will you believe the testimony of God? Will you believe in Jesus? If you will, then you have certain hope. If you will not, then you have another certainty, and that is certain destruction. I pray that God will be gracious and merciful to you and that you would not rest until you are right with God through Jesus Christ. Amen.